Hands on deck without a van. So come and be a part of that. True story with the BB gun, by the way. A couple years ago, some guy took the leg like a champ, by the way. And so, we did get rid of those. So, amen to that. Hey, we one hope of the uh, two things real quickly, uh, David Blanding, we prayed for him last Sunday, and uh, uh, I just, Audrey, his wife, shared a cool story um, that God has just been moving in his life. He's been getting healed up. All these things are happening, and not, not just physically, but spiritually, the Lord is getting a hold of his life as well. And so I just want to give the Lord some praise for that. Amen? So praise the Lord for David. Keep pressing in. We've got other folks that are in the hospital and, and just battling through some things. And so be praying for them if you guys would. And then finally, over him. And a couple just things I want you to know. You'll hear a little bit about his testimony, I'm sure. We've shared a little bit about that. Um, but we're going to add end drop in this place. Possible. We're going to turn the ACs off and we're just going to keep it like a pin drop in this place. Because there's a roar that will come from this man like the sweet, small voice of the Lord. Amen? But it'll hand out. Let's pray over Bob this morning. Sweet, sweet voice. So we're going to pray over him. We guys extend a hand out? Let's pray over Bob this morning. Father, we are so blessed to have an anointed man of the Lord in the room. God, we thank you and we honor Jesus, those who just carry your presence. And so today, Father, we honor you in this place through Bob. God, we pray that the word that he gives today would not be his word, but Holy Spirit would be a download from heaven, a revelation from you, Father. And so I pray, God, about we want to know you more, Jesus. We want to see you, Father. And so I pray, God, that as Bob speaks, he speaks as a man who's been with the Lord, that the word that we can hear today is that word. And we thank you, Father, for what you're going to do in this room right now, God, in the hearts of men and women. In Jesus' name. So much, Pastor Eric. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pastor Eric. What Aaron is referring to is the smallness of my voice. I suffered a vocal injury 29 years ago, and I'm ready for it to happen this morning in Wichita, Kansas. In the course of my journey, the Lord has led me to write books in this season. I guess some people have to be thrown into prison before they start to write stuff. And, uh, and so there's a bunch of books available this morning in the lobby. You're welcome to check it out. I'm just going to mention a couple very quickly. Take a look at this one on the cross. I'm going to be preaching on the cross this morning. Take a look at this one called Secrets of the Secret Place, a book to empower your secret place relationship with Jesus. I hope that you can take advantage. Now, here we've got some great pricing out there, but here's the best part. If you can't afford a book, then it's my gift to you because sometimes when you're in a financial struggle, you need it more than anybody else. And so a little bit of help from my brothers over here. I'm going to ask it, two or three brothers, would you find out, can you carry that cross and bring it up here? Give it a shot. See if, you, see if it moves. Is it portable? Here it comes. We're bringing the cross. Yeah, just bring it because I want to preach in the shadow of the cross this morning. Bring it right here. And I'm a lover of the cross. That's perfect. Beautiful.
text this morning is John 16, verse 21. It's just hours before the cross, and Jesus is talking to the disciples about the cross, and he's going to help them to process because they don't know what's coming. And to help them process what's about to come, he's going to give them a metaphor. And he says in John 16, 21, a woman, when she is in, as soon as she has given her all, because her hour has come, but as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So Jesus gives the disciples a metaphor of childbirth to prepare them for what's about to happen. He's basically saying, you're going to be just, I'm about to go into labor. You're going to be distracted with the anguish. It's about to get real messy. There's going to be sorrow, anguish, travail, birth pangs, contractions, pushing. Jesus is saying to the disciples, I'm about to go to work. I'm about to go into labor. It's going to be hard labor. Jesus is saying to the disciples, I'm pregnant. And the cross is Jesus going into labor. At the cross, he's purpose. He's pregnant with possibility. And when you look at the cross, you're looking at Jesus in labor. And then when you look at the resurrection, the baby is born. that resurrection, our redemption is born, our salvation is born, the church is born, a new and living way into the bosom of the Father is born, the new covenant is born at the resurrection. When the disciples looked at the cross, all they could see was everything shutting down. God looked at the cross and saw everything opening up. The disciples looked at the cross and saw the God was looking at the cross, seeing a new beginning to everything. The disciples looked at the cross and saw a setback. God looked at the cross and saw a set up. The disciples, all they could see was a tomb, and God looking at it going, it's a womb. friend. 
are not staying here. And the nails were his friends. I hear Jesus saying from the cross, give me my nails. I've got something to birth here. How much I love you. Give that I can stretch my arms further and show you how much I love you. Give me my nails so that I can earn my strength. Give me my nails and I'll build on this hill a tower of salvation. Give me my nails so that I can nail the requirements of the law to this cross. This is Colossians 2.14. I think they might have it on the screen. Colossians 2.14, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So when we look at the cross, we get all distracted with them nailing Jesus. But did you know that Jesus was nailing something at the cross? Take a closer look at it. He's using the nails of his cross to nail to that cross the regulations and requirements of the Mosaic law. Jesus is pulling off a reversal. They nail him and he nails it. The carpenter knows requirements of the Mosaic. He got the contrary requirements of the Mosaic legal code out of the way. It was all the rules and regulations that said you got to do this, 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 this. The whole thing, Rachel, it was tripping us up. And Jesus got the whole thing out of the way by nailing it to the cross. And now our righteousness is not based upon performing a list of codes. Our righteousness is in believing in what Jesus did on this cross. And when you place your cross, when you place your faith in the cross of Jesus Christ, God gives the righteousness of Christ to you. Jesus says, give me my nails so that I can nail it to the cross. Give me my nails. I've got something to birth here. Pain can actually become your friend. You can harness the pain to enter into judgment in your truth and birth the purposes of God in your trial. The scripture calls Jesus the firstborn from the dead on two separate verses. It says that of Christ. What that means, one, and we have the privilege of following from the dead because Jesus went ahead and did it first. No, until I had my own children. I've got three kids. I've got six grandchildren. And my firstborn, his name is Joel. And when Joel was born, now back then you didn't know what the gender was until the baby came out. And so I'm in the birthing center with my wife. And uh, geez, her eyes changed. I was no longer her friend. And she is like, everybody get out of my life. I've got something to do right now. And she began to push. I'm telling you, it got intense. It was hours trying to get 
were trying to get a head this big out of an opening this big. I thought, this is impossible. And as I'm watching this thing happen, it literally, I'm thinking like this, Michelle, I'm thinking, seven billion people have come into the world like this. What I didn't know was that many times the firstborn is the hard one. Because that firstborn is opening the birth canal for the first time. When my second one came along, Katie, I was thinking we'd have an encore and she just comes out. (laughs) I'm like, that's it? Because when you're opening that birth canal, now this is not universal for all women, but for many women, that firstborn is the big one because we're opening a birth canal for the first time. And the birth canal from the dead, Jesus Christ is opening the birth canal of resurrection for the first time. Beloved, this one was the big one. He did the heavy lifting on the cross. I'm so grateful that I don't have to do quite like he did. But I have the dignity and privilege now of following in his steps, entering into the crucified life, die, buried, resurrected. And now you and I have the privilege of following It's still intense, but I'm glad he took on the firstborn. When you look at the cross, it looks like he's doing it from his hands and his feet. But Jesus is saying to us in our text, I'm actually doing the cross from here. He was pushing on the cross from here. Now I find it helpful functions from the seat of the human seat of the human spirit, where the human spirit functions from. The seat of the human mind is here. The seat of the human will is in your neck. The seat of our convictions and values in your heart. The seat of your feelings and emotions somewhere in your gut. And somewhere between your gut and your heart is your spirit. This area right here, Jesus said, out of your belly would flow rivers rivers of living water. So when I want to connect with the Holy Spirit, I don't go here. I don't even go here. I go here. This is where we relate in the spirit to the things of God. And Jesus is on the cross doing the cross from here. And then, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, the Holy Spirit does the exact same thing. The Holy Spirit enters into grace.
groans and travails. This is Romans 8, where Paul talks about childbirth and birth pangs. And he said, this is what the Holy Spirit is still doing on the earth today. And he wants to help you to do the same thing. If you will partner with the Holy Spirit, get into your spirit with the Holy Spirit, then you can birth through your trial what God is wanting to do in your life. I'm saying to you today, do your trial from here. You're pregnant. You're pregnant with promise. That's why you're so hungry right now. That's why you've got such a voracious appetite for the Word of God right now. You're eating a double right now because you're growing a promise in your spirit. When you get a promise from God, you don't relax your word intake. You ratchet up your word intake because you're trying to grow a promise in your spirit that God's given you. When you get when you get a promise from God, you now need a high calorie intake to full term and so that you can grow that thing. Bring it to full term and then promise from God. You don't relax your prayer life. You ramp up your prayer life. I will never let go until you fulfill your promise in my life. I'm saying do your trial from here. You thought your trial was killing you. You thought that this was the end of everything. It's not a tomb. It's a womb. Birth the purposes of God in your life. Well, that's my message. I'm just going to illustrate it with a couple more things. I'm going to hit the same nail a couple more times. Goshen was a womb for the nation of Israel. When Israel was in, in, when inside Egypt, Egypt was actually a womb for the nation of Israel. I want to show it to you. When Jacob is up in Canaan, 70 strong in his family, God moves Jacob and his family of 70 into Egypt and bigger up God. Why was Egypt for like 400 years? And we're trying to figure out, God, why would you do that to the guy? Because we know that they were not 400, especially family up in Canaan. Well, Jacob, if I leave you and your family up in Canaan, over the decades, you're going to get bombarded with warfare. The king and everybody is after this type A king against this type A king. And everybody is after everybody else's plunder. And that was the number one killer of people in those days. And so God's like, Jacob, let me do you a favor. Let me put you in captivity. And now God puts Jacob and his family of 70 in captivity inside the nation of Egypt. And now Jacob's little family of 70 is being protected by the number one military on the planet. Here's Egypt took all the hits. 
they just kept growing. They grew so large in the womb of Egypt that by the time Jacob's family came out of Egypt, they were large enough to enter their promised land, take their promised land, inhabit their promised land, and hold on to their promised land. God puts you into captivity to enlarge you. Shuts you down, puts you in prison, puts you under house arrest, puts you in confinement, puts removes your options, puts you in circumstances. You're not enjoying. You feel constricted. You feel claustrophobic. Your options taken away. And he's like, this is a time for you now. Use. If God shuts you down, use the time to get large. It's time to grow in the word, grow in prayer, grow in humility, grow in righteousness, grow in holiness, grow in the fear of the Lord, grow in understanding, grow in Christlikeness, grow in the knowledge of Jesus. Use the time to get large. If you're sitting next to somebody, just say to them, never waste a good prison sentence. God shuts you down. Use the time to grow in grace. They thought Egypt was their tomb. They're like they are killing our babies. This place is killing us. God's looking at it going, no, it's not your tomb. It's your womb. By the time you finish growing in this womb, you will be large enough to in the womb that you're in. Is it possible that you could so grow in the womb that you're in right now that by the time you come out of this prison, you'll be large enough the prison can no longer hold you? Could it be that you could so grow in this season of restriction that by the time you come out of this thing, you will be large enough in the grace of God to take your promises, inhabit your promises, steward your promises, hold on to your promises. God is growing you in this womb. Somebody else that thought he was facing a tomb was John the Apostle. He's on the island of Patmos. And he's like, as they're delivering him to the island, you know, they would just take you to Patmos. It was a prison island. And they would just take you to Patmos. And Angie, they just dropped you off. And as they're dropping John off at this prison island, he's probably thinking to himself, I guess this is my tomb. Because he's like 95 years old. God's looking at it going, bro, this is not your tomb. This is your womb. 
can imagine the Lord saying in his heart, Caesar, thank you for the assistance. I've been trying to get my man a little bit settled down and quiet and get him in a corner where I can do some stuff with them. Caesar gets an assist for setting John up. And John, not Revelation 1 verse 10, John goes like this, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. He's doing Patmos from here. What can you do to an apostle who does his trial from here? What can you do to a believer that does their trial from here? Because you're getting in the spirit. You're laying hold of your promise. You've got a high-calorie word intake. You're growing that word from God in your spirit. And now something inside into childbirth, like grow the thing, and then enter into childbirth like Jesus did on the cross. Push in the spirit, Romans 8, and birth the purposes of God in your life. I'm prophesying over your story right now. This is not a tomb you are in. This is a womb. God wants to grow something inside of you. He's got your attention. Shut you down. He's growing stuff inside of you. High calorie intake in the Word of God. It's time to go after the Word of God like you never have. It's time to feed your promises like you never have. It's time to sit at the feet of Jesus. Enter into the thing with Him. Cooperate with Him. Jesus did it first, and we follow in His steps. You're doing exactly what Jesus did. You're like, this thing is killing me. Someone else that thought his prison was a tomb, Joseph. It's Aaron, isn't it? Aaron, Joseph. He's like 20 years old. And he gets stuck in this prison. And I think God's looking at the prison going, I'm going to put you in touch with your spirit. Because Aaron, I don't know a 20-year-old man who's in touch with his spirit yet. When you're 20, don't be offended now, Jace. When you're 20, you're in touch with this. You're in touch with this. You're even in touch with this. But you haven't gone here yet. It's a rare 20-year-old that's in touch with the Spirit. And so God's like, oh, we, we have to do a fast work here. We've got to get Joseph on the fast track and get him in touch with the Spirit because we got something for this boy to do. And so here's how I look at Joseph's prison. God is going to use it as a womb to get him in touch with his spirit. Because Joseph is one of these guys, he's, I call Joseph a five-talent guy. Uh, now, when I say five-talent, I've got Matthew 25 in view, where Jesus talked about this one has five talents, this one has two talents, this one has one talent. And God's given all of us different levels of talentedness and gifting. Joseph got 
the five talent package. The guy was good. He had the brains. He had the people skills. He had the charisma. He had the charm. He had the admin. He had the 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 delegation. He had the leadership. He, the guy was a package. He just had it cooking on all the burners, if you know what I'm saying. And God comes to this five-talent package, 20 years old, and goes, Joseph, you're good, but you're not good enough. Because what I've got for you actually goes beyond your five talents. And in order for you to touch what I've got for you, I've got you, I've got to help you find your spirit. Because here's Ben, here's the problem with five talent people. They're tempted to rely on their talents. And God's like, if I'm going to help you find your spirit, I'm going to have to shut your giftings down, Joseph. And so he puts him in a prison where all of his giftings are now rendered useless. I don't care how strong your admin skills, Joseph. They're not going to get you out of prison. I don't care how strong your entrepreneurial gifts are, Joseph. They're not going to get you out of this prison. I don't care how strong your accounting skills are, Joseph. They're not going to get you out of this prison. I don't care how much people charm you've got. You are not going to charm yourself out of this prison. And I don't care how much you got under the hood there. It, you're yourself in a prison where it is not going to get you out of this prison. And Joseph found himself in a prison where every gifting that he had cultivated faithfully in the courts of the Lord was now rendered useless. And he had only one direction to go. He starts pressing into the spirit with a desperation. I'm going to die in this prison. And he starts pressing into the spirit. And he gets out of prison, not because of his giftings and abilities. He gets out of prison because he decides to go deep in the spirit. And he connected with the Holy Spirit right here. He did the prison from here. And Joseph decided to study his God language. God had spoken to Joseph in a couple of dreams. That was his God language. And he's like, Prison is promising me seem to hint of greatness. But this prison is promising me I'm going to die here. He cannot reconcile the death of his prison with the hope of his dreams. And he decides, I'm going to study my God language. And he decides to go deep on dream interpretation. Served him well. When the butler and the baker came to prison, he can now interpret their dreams. Then when Pharaoh gets a God dream, Joseph is now able to interpret Pharaoh's God dream. What's your God language? How does God talk to you? 
identify it, study it, and master it. I get so distracted by how God talks to other people. Why doesn't God talk to me like he talks to Pastor with how God talks? Don't concern yourself with how God talks to Pastor Aaron. Concern yourself with how God talks to you. Identify it, study it, and master it. Just might get you out of prison too. Psalm 105, verse 22. It's talking about Joseph's prison. It says, to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his elders wisdom. So this is one of the things that God was doing in Joseph's prison. By the time you come out of this prison, Joseph, you will be able to bind your princes at your pleasure. And if you've read Joseph's story, you know that after he came out of prison, he actually imprisoned his brothers in the very prison that he had lived in for 10 years. And he put his brothers in that prison for three days. He's like, guys, sampler platter. Have a taste. I did it for 10 years. Y'all can do it for a tea. And he came out of prison with authority over his prison. I've got a theory on Joseph's prison. Aaron, I can't prove this one with the verse, so I call it a theory. But I think when Joseph came out of prison with the keys to that prison, I think he went back to that prison. You're coming out. You actually deserve to stay in prison, but you were my best friend for 10 years. You'll be staying in. You're my new prime minister. You're coming out. You'll be staying in. And when Joseph came out of prison, he came out with authority over the very prison that once held him. Could it be that this thing that looks like your tomb is actually meant to be a womb? That by the time you come out of this prison, you will hold keys of authority that will help others that are bound in the same kind of prison. You found yourself in a prison of addiction. Now, by the, time, by the time you come through this thing, you will have keys in the kingdom to help others in prisons of addiction. By the time, did you find yourself in a financial prison? By the time you come out of this thing, you will have keys in the spirit to release others in financial prisons. Did you find yourself in a prison of physical infirmity? I'm going to just preach to myself for a second, Micah. Did you find yourself in a prison of physical infirmity? Could it be? By the time you come out of this prison, you will hold keys in the kingdom to loose others that are bound in prisons of physical infirmity. Never relent until you hold in your hand the keys to the prison that now confines you.
womb. You thought you'd die there. It was a womb to make you the man that you now are. I close with a little story and I'm finished. I was in El Paso, Texas. This was just before the COVID thing hit the fan. I'm in El Paso and I'm speaking at a church. And now, so she's something to understand about me. When I am finished preaching like this, I'm literally finished. I actually will talk on a notepad. So I want to visit with you after the service, but let me do my side of the conversation on a notepad. So I'm in a church in El Paso. I have finished preaching. I am finished here, and I'm now on a notepad, and I'm talking to actually the pastor's wife, and she's asking me some questions because it's her first time to meet. She's a little bit curious about my vocal thing and stuff, and she asks me, but is a notepad for you when you speak? And I wrote on my notepad, every word has hurt for 28 years. I've got this look of compassion on her face. And she goes, I'm sorry. Do you know what I wrote back to her on my notepad? God has never apologized to me for this. He never apologizes for the trials of life. Job, why should I apologize to you for your horrific trial when I'm going to use and redeem this thing to make you the first signpost in Scripture to the cross of Jesus Christ? I'm going to give you an inheritance in every generation. I'm going to give you the first book of the Bible. You are going to comfort people in every generation. Plus, I'm going to lift you up in glory and you will see God with your eyes. Why should I apologize to you for this? Joseph, why should I apologize to you for your trial? Ten years in a horrific Egyptian prison. Madeline. Madeline, I want you to imagine this Egyptian toilet. I'm talking about Joseph's prison now in Egypt. No toilet. No toilet paper. Electricity. No running water. No electricity. His prison is a toilet. Toilet. Ten years living in a toilet. And God's like, why should I apologize to you for this prison? When I'm going to use this prison to something in your spirit, by the time you come out of this prison, you are single-handedly going to save the lives of every person in the nation of Egypt. I'm going to make you a feeder of nations. 
crown jewel of your life. You are going to establish your family in Goshen where they will grow in the womb of Goshen and become a nation of their own. Joseph, why should I apologize to you for this? Jesus, why should I apologize? The planet has ever sought the most horrific suffering that this planet has ever seen. Why should I apologize to you for this when I am going to use this cross to gain for you a bride from every nation, from every generation, from every language group, from every tongue, from every skin color. They're going to love you. They're going to be devoted to you. They're going to, you will, you will possess their heart, their mind, their soul, their spirit, every part of their being. You will go off on a romantic adventure forever. And I will crown you with the highest rank in the universe. Why should I apologize to you for this? He never apologizes for the trials of life because what you thought was your tomb. He goes, I do not agree with you. It's a womb to birth the purposes of God in your life. One reason that I love the womb metaphor, Aaron, is because it validates the intensity of, of what God wants to produce. Just hope for the fruit of what God wants to produce through the trial. I love that metaphor. May your heart be encouraged today that the trial you're in, just like the cross, is a womb to birth the purposes of God. It's intense. Let the pain become the catalyst for the contractions. Grow that thing in your spirit and bring to birth what God wants to birth in your life, in your family, in your business, in your community, in your church, and in your generation. In Jesus' name, I bless you for this. Stand with me. Out, no, Here's what we're going to do. The worship ministry is going to give us some language to express our response to the Lord. And as they do that, we've got some prayer teams that are going to come forward and be available to pray with you. They're actually today, this is for men and women, because all of us have a spiritual womb that God wants to birth things through our lives. And there's some people here this morning. Now, not everybody wants to come forward after every sermon, but there's just some people here today that you're connecting with the word of the Lord and something inside of you says, I'm going to take my womb and just take it right up there and get somebody to lay their hands on me and to agree with me for the purposes of God to be birthed in my life. And if that's you, you are welcome to come forward and we will bless you in the Holy Spirit and believe for God's purpose to be fulfilled because it's not a tomb, it's a... It's not your tomb.
tomb. It's your womb. The clock says our time is up, so I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I am asking that by your grace, you would release a fresh confidence and a fresh faith and a fresh encouragement in this room for everyone that's in a trial, everyone that's harboring something, growing something, living something. Lord, may there be fresh grace released in this room today to grow their promises, to abide in the Holy Spirit, and to birth the purposes of God through their trial. Because we need some men and women in Wichita, Kansas, who will go through the whole thing with Christ and will birth something for this generation Give it to us, I ask in Jesus' name. Now, here's what I would like to do. If uh, And uh, Pastor Aaron, I don't know how the clock works right now because we've got a service coming in 15 minutes, so you help me here. But we've got some prayer teams that are available to pray with you. If you want to bring your womb up here, We're actually going to pray over your womb. I'm talking to guys and gals this morning. In the spirit, the guys and the gals in the room today, you've got something growing in your life and you want to come and present your womb to the Lord and say, Jesus, give me grace to grow this thing, to bring it to full term and to birth your purpose through my life. We've got some prayer teams that are going to come and they're going to be here in the front. Pastor Aaron, you help me here now. And we're going to stand here and be available to pray with you. And uh, the worship team is going to give us a song to express our love to the Lord. I invite you to stand with me. Uh, Pastor Aaron is whatever dismissal you want to do, my brother. Um, so I think you'll know how this thing works. We got the we, we have a transition to make. But before you leave today, you have an invitation from the Lord to present your womb to Jesus and say, Jesus, finish this thing in my life. Give me grace to enter into a partner with you and birth what you're wanting to do in my family, in my generation. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Thanks for tuning in today. To find out how to get more involved, go to reliancecommunity.org. Have a great week.